0: Hi there, my name is Ben Eaton, and welcome to the Performing Musicians podcast. In this podcast, I'll be chatting to a broad range of musicians, artists, songwriters about their experience in the music industry. We'll be talking about their dreams, their background, their career highlights and a range of other topics relating to making a living inside this tough cutthroat industry. We'll also be discussing the current COVID-19 crisis and how it affects their income, their goals, their dreams and what they think might happen next to them and the industry they love. So without further ado, let's get into it. Um, hi guys, and welcome to the Performing Musicians podcast. Um, today I'm lucky enough to talk to Mr. Simon Gardner, um, Australian guitar legend. How are you, Simon? Oh, I'm good,
1: thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you.
0: No, yeah. no worries, mate. Um, just to kick off, can you tell us something about a little bit about yourself? Uh, what do you do and how long have you been doing it?
1: Okay, um, well, I'm a guitar player and guitar teacher um, and performer, um, artist. In, in, uh, I now live in, in the uh, Noosa Hinterland and the Sunshine Coast um, from Brisbane, or near Brisbane in Queensland, Australia. And I can't remember really doing anything else, to be honest. I've been doing it this long. I started playing guitar when I was 13 at school. had a wonderful guitar teacher, a guy named Rick Purdy, and um, he, yeah, was a great teacher, and he's probably probably the reason I became a guitar teacher, I reckon. Um, so I teach and play guitar. I've got five albums out of my own. I've just released, I've released a couple of singles. I'm just about to release and have another sort of uh, old-fashioned sort of release with uh, like an A-side and a B-side single, um, if you like. Cool. Uh, so um, yeah, and so yeah, I'm still writing. I still perform quite a lot. Well, obviously not over the last uh, sort of time, but uh, perform quite a lot in freelance and different covers, bands, mainly rock stuff, which I really like. Um, I'm mainly a rocker at heart, so, uh, but I do love all things guitar, I really do. I'm a big fan of uh, No Guitar Is Safe podcast and all the sorts of people that, that Jude Gold gets on there. It's fantastic, you know, I just love right. that variety. And um, hearing all the personalities is, is – and the, the candid interview is fantastic. Very inspiring. You know, hearing, hearing cool. these amazing guys just kind of make errors and stuff is it really <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it's, uh, no, it's nice to know they're human, isn't it?
1: Well, it's great because, you know, and it, and it reminds you that, that, you know, whenever you hear something from a great artist that, that what you're getting is the very best – of of the very best, and I mean, we we're talking about Satch just before, and you know, he's renowned for spending days on one solo. You know, um, Dave Gilmore is another one, just weeks on 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 working out passages um, to make sure they're perfect. And so that's what we hear, and we go, man, well, that's like that all the time, and and it's like uh, you know, more mistakes to be made than than we could possibly imagine. So I love that candid nature of it; it makes it, it's very engaging. Yeah, so yeah, I like guitar it. The guitars like that. are rich.
0: Yeah. Guitar's a rich target area, that's for sure. Um, and for sure. So, yeah. when when you say you've been playing since you were thirteen, what was yeah. what was the sort of first thing that lit the spark for you? What what made you pick it up?
1: Uh, before that, I'd started playing drums, and um, there was a, obviously a volume issue with that, and an equipment issue <laughs> with that at home. So, uh, so that didn't happen. And then, um, just the the form came through at school. Do you want to learn to? play? play a guitar and I went yeah yeah I'd learn to play guitar because you know like we'd run around with tennis rackets pretending we were in Kiss and because we love Kiss and all that sort of stuff There was always a lot of music in the household um, my brothers and I so um, and when I started I just I was just loved it I just love I, I never have not loved it there are times I've, I haven't liked it and I wish I'd never done it but I've never stopped loving it I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> I think we are kind of getting talking about that before, that it's something you, it's so, it's almost, like it's, it's that cliche that once it chooses you, then that's it, it's all over. You could give it away yeah. for 10 years, but you'll always come back to it. And um, yeah, you know, I, t- I teach people like that, mature age students like that, who used to play when they were when they were really young, loved it, stopped because they had a family or went to, you know, become a doctor or whatever. and and always like, oh, man, I wished I'd never given this away all those years, you know. So so for me, yeah, I just – it kind of chose me, I guess, and it's been my life ever since to varying degrees, you know, so.
0: And was there, yeah. was there one – like, for me, I remember distinctly a couple of, like, solos or little guitar passages where I just went, boom, what is that? Like, yeah. for me, one of them was um, I Want It All by Queen.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that, uh, tone, that Brian's man. tone, whoa, oh. goodness me. And even now, when I hear it, you know, you've been driving along, you hear a Queen song on the radio. And I'm not a huge Queen fan. Sorry, Queen fans out there, I'm not a huge Queen fan. I'm a Zeppelin <laughs> guy and, um, yep. and uh, Purple and that sort of harder, heavier stuff. But I, Brian May is, is a room, it's it, is a remarkable guitar player and musician, yeah. Yeah, I know they all were, they were a fabulous band, but. Yeah, gosh, his sound and that that vocal-like quality he has in his sound, that vibrato, everything is just unmistakable. You know, unmistakable.
0: Uh, was it was it was it Kiss? Then was it Ace Frehley for you?
1: No, not really. It was probably uh, again. I was really lucky with my teacher because he exposed me to George Benson and the jazz guys because he was a jazz player in Brisbane, and um, and uh, he uh, yeah. So it was really. Uh, probably George Benson, Al Dimiola When I started oh, yeah. playing guitar, mum was my mum was very encouraging, and so she'd go down to Tumble Music and buy me uh, these little Best of Guitar cassettes, which were like all the B sides of these main main like Beck, Clapton, Page. They'd all be on these playing these blues tunes. I don't know if you remember those, but they were cassettes and yeah. and yeah. And, uh, they were, and Big Billy Brunsy and all of these, you know. I later found out were, were very important artists uh, guitar-wise, Albert King and, I mean, Albert King, oh, God. Um, but that was all of that stuff was very influential, but there was a guitarist named Charlie Bird who was yep. very much part of that group. Instrumental guitar, I loved instrumental guitar. My first record in 19... 19- uh, 82, I think it was, was by a band called Sky, and they were a British band, and they had the classical guitarist John Williams as their guitar player, and Australian guitar player Kevin Peake was the electric player oh. in John Williams, and, and apparently when, so the story goes, and people can correct me on this, but when John Williams joined that band, he was disowned by Segovia, because he was Segovia's pri- you know pride and joy student, because of his virtuosity, he was unparalleled um, for a time there anyway um so but anyway sky was an instrumental record and that was the first record i ever got and for me that's kind of always been my thing i love zeppelin i love white snake i love heavy i love slipknot i love i love all of that i love benson i love you know but instrumental there's something about it i don't know what it is it's um Maybe it's that make you choose your own adventure sort of thing with it, you know. Yeah. It's not literal enough, you know, it's it's one of those things and I think being an instrumentalist and as you know, just, you know, finishing off your record, you know, you don't have that luxury of words. You you've you you have just this sound and you've gotta get that across to your listener somehow to so you know, the ultimate reward, you know, as an instrumentalist I think is to have someone you know, you write a piece and they go, you know, that reminded me of this and that, and you go yeah. well that's exactly what I was going for so that's a great feeling you
0: know so, that's awesome yeah that's yeah, that's, that's that's a real little pat in the back moment isn't it,
1: it it's huge yeah that's really is it's a great feeling because you, you know for me I really want a lot of the music I listen to uh, or, or love like I was just saying a lot of those bands aren't what you call really inclusive particularly the really heavy stuff it's not very inclusive music um, the stuff I write I, I want it to be really inclusive I want people to at least listen to it and 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 enjoy it you know but at the same time I don't want it to be shallow music I want it to be have music with substance and content you know and thoughtful progressions even though they're they're engaging you know just being a little bit thoughtful with the actual skill and craftsmanship of the music as opposed and the compositions as opposed to just thinking about my guitar in fact I'm so over that now I'm just so not anti guitar and the skill level of guitar but I'm kind of over that that whole that's all it is because like, it just yep. seems to me you know you, you, you know, a lot of guys talk about the youtube thing and like to me i just see it and it's just overwhelming and it's just stupefying how incredible young guitar players are now their skill level because they watch and mimic and um i teach yep. guys like that and that there i haven't seen too many who are very developed musically you know um so there's there's a real sort of uh Disparity between the skill level and their musicianship and musicality, Um, but that's a very broad generalisation too. I I must—I admit that for sure. But you know, well, I I think I, I think
0: that's a fascinating point. I think that's a fascinating point because I think that is a whole demographic and cultural shift. Because I know when I was growing up, if you wanted to play guitar, it was a bit hard to play at any skill. Like, well, not a skill level, but if you wanted to get the resources to be able to learn the different modalities, the different mm. functional skills, you would have to work hard for it. Like mm. I remember buying the guitar magazines with the with the with the vinyls on oh. the front. <laughs> That's and-
1: the first time I heard Eric Johnson. I, was talking yep. I I was like the dog with his ear at the stereo going. <laughs> What's that sound? It's like a violin. Yeah. That blew that Eric Johnson blew me away. He's one of my all time favorite guys, you know, and First and still, time I've I ever heard Paul had, Gilbert, Paul Gilbert, yeah, unbelievable, yeah. Guitar
0: magazine with a little, with a little, um, uh, like like tiny it. little, and because I I was living in in Mount Isa, so I just moved to Mount Isa, so there yeah. was no there was like five people out there who played guitar and they all played acoustic folk guitar. So there was me and like three other dudes that played electric guitar. Yeah. And when I moved up there, I was like the city kid, uh, ironically enough with the long hair. And yeah. I was listening to like Iron Maiden and like oh, heavy yeah. like Megadeth Metallica yeah. and all that stuff wearing like leather jackets and stuff. And everyone thought I was like from another planet. Yeah. And if you tried to get anything that was like, you couldn't just open a computer and go, give me the tabs for this particular Paganini piece like that just yeah. didn't exist no. You just couldn't get it so yeah. i i taught guitar privately and also for a mutual friend of ours Shane Brown for many years oh yeah yeah um, yeah um and i really saw the change in the youtube generation come through because when i first started teaching guitar like 20 something years ago mm. you'd get you get two types of kids you get the kids that were parked there because their mums wanted them to learn an instrument, and guitar. A guitar was cheaper than buying a piano. Mm. And then you get the guys that were like the real, like, mm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the best there is. Mm. The ratio to the to the A to B was like a hundred to one.
1: Mm.
0: Now, well, I haven't I haven't taught formally for about five or six years, but I saw when the YouTube thing really started to happen, so many kids would just come in and like, I want to play exactly like John Petrucci and here's the tabs. Teach me how to do that. Teach me Mm. how to play that piece. And it's like, bro, bro, there's like at least 10 years before you get to that stage. Mm. And I found, I don't know about yourself as a teacher, but me, I found it was a really hard line to walk that progressive um, motivation with realistic skill levels.
1: Yeah. That is a a very difficult, um, as a teacher, that's very difficult. Uh, I mean, we're primarily, we we are in the service industry. So you need to service your clients and need to service their needs. And that, that itself is a very, that that can be a very broad, uh, have a very broad sort of um, uh, impact, I suppose, from the point of view of someone says they want to do that and you need to explain to them, well, this guy, what you, again, what you're hearing is the best of the best play at their best, and it was captured for all that, forever in time just there. Now you've been playing guitar for about six months, and you seem to have a good talent for it, but there's uh, maybe it's a better idea to actually try something a little bit different, uh, or build up to it. Or there's a saying I quite often use, I like, don't seek to be like the masters, seek what they sought. So if you want to be like John Produci, think about what he was trying to do with that rather than actually try to be him. Because as Oscar Wilde said, there's no, what did he say? There's no point trying to be like anyone else because everyone else is taken. So yep. just be yourself. And it's, um, you know, uh, I don't know if that that's verbatim too, by the way, but. Um, Close yeah, so enough, I, mate. I, I think so. I think the, the thing for me is that very much as a teacher, as I've grown, I'm more, I'm more than happy to say that because if I do that, it's, it's actually just in their, in my opinion, in my professional opinion, which is why they're there, that's in their best interest to actually do it that way. Um, and particularly if you see that the dexterity is just not there. But I don't know. Um, it, it is difficult because you want to not get in someone's way who has incredible fire and passion. I have some young students at the moment who are like that. Man, they, they are like, they want to be like Randy Rhodes. They want to be like Dimebag. They want to be like Warren Martini from Rat. I mean... Yeah. 12-year-old kid wanting to be like Warren D. Martini from Rat. Like what's that, what's that all about? I mean he's a brilliant <laughs> guitar player, rock and roller, But who who knows about rat? Oh, that's <laughs> you know, true, yeah, unless you're on that's the show in 1988. You know, so <laughs> so it's like it's one of those it's one of those funny things. So what do you do? Well for me, it's I, I just have guitar as you know, and music as you know, is not is not a linear process, it's not a box-ticking process and sometimes some of the the younger guitar players i get actually think of it as a very linear thing because they're into this mimicking if i can do this at x tempo at that then that's it box ticked i move on Uh, i try i try and focus a little bit more on the musicality the bigger picture that spherical sort of uh uh, technical foundation that you need the skill set you know all those fundamental things that are very important that i value very highly um, I try and pass on, um, and so then from there they can start pursuing because you know you know we all know being guitar players that the more you know and the more you try and play the more it seems to throw back at you all these things you can't yeah. do and the more Absolutely. challenging it becomes um, even to do really simple things but do them really really well um, it, it, so it's almost like look I'll I'll give you as much as I can so you can manage your fight, because in the end, it's just you and your guitar, which is just you anyway, so, yep. you know, yep. trying, to, trying to learn a Petrucci piece is great, and I admire John Petrucci no end, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I sort of sometimes wonder about the mimicry and the the uh, longevity of that, you know, because uh, chops are amazing, because people, because that visual aspect of guitar and the pattern-orientated thing, there, there's some extraordinary stuff that I see in social media, extraordinary, that you, uh, you wouldn't have dreamt of, you know. But I just to kind of, I don't know, kind of gloss over a bit. I just, <laughs> I can't watch I think, it anymore. I, I just find of it dis, 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 uh, disconcerting. So,
0: yeah. I think it's, I think that's really interesting because a lot of it is that, the, the freak show aspect and that grabbing, <laughs> that Instagram, the Instagram thing. And I mean, I, I post on Instagram all the time, but you kind of, you kind of have to now. But the idea that, you know, it's, it's equal parts. It's probably more parts the freak show than it is the musicality because, as you say, teaching musicality, it's not an intrinsic thing, mm. but it's an intuitive thing, mm. whereas – and that musicality can develop in so many ways, you know. But if you if you say, here's a pattern that you can learn and this will make you sound – this guy who's very, very well-known uses this pattern all the time, mm. learn that. So people as you say I mean I was guilty of it as much as anyone when I was younger when mm. you go if I can play this lick I remember I remember the lick who from who made who Oh yeah that repeated guitar lick Yeah 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 I that was a goal of mine when I first picked up the guitar I had this crappy old 15 year old acoustic with like 15 year old strings yeah. and my goal was to play that lick not yeah. not learn the song play the lick yeah. And I worked on that for, like, ages. And I got yeah. it, but, like, I missed the musicality behind the song. Yeah. And it took me a while to sort of slough off that adolescence and go, hang on a minute, that's a really good song. Like, mm. maybe I should learn the chords of that song. Yeah. Because when I first picked up the guitar, man, I just yeah. wanted to shred as hard and as fast as I could. Yeah. That was all no, I wanted.
1: I did, and, and and this is <laughs> kind of what I was angling at before is that – um. You know, uh, when I have young guys or young students who want to do that, I, I don't want to get in their road. I want them to enjoy that. That's that is part of the process of doing it. You know, so my my I don't have any expectation. The the thing is, I just want to I don't know help them enjoy a little bit more to it. So which is I know that's what I got from my teacher. There was learned some great songs, some great things, but there was something a little bit more to it you know that this happens and this works because of this and you know if you want to be like him you better practice 12 hours a day too you know that that sort of thing and i think um you know i guess really for me that's all i want to pass on just a really good positive aspect to it and not get in their way so but yeah man for me that it's always been about. I love the I love the physical aspects of guitar. Don't get me wrong, I really do. Which is why I, I get blown away by seeing young players and some of the you know the older sort of virtuosos like Steve and Vi. and I still love but I still think he's a complete beast. Um, it's ridiculous. The Satch, you know, for all of his musicality. I love Guthrie Go and I love um, yep. you know I love all, all the you know Tosin Abasi. I love him as well. I love Zach Wilde I'm seeing all these guys. Um, They are all awesome. They all have very different uh, expressions on the guitar, and very different um, sounds. I love all of that, but for me, I think the thing was the sound. There was something the first time when I heard Black Dog, there was something about that guitar sound. I just literally, it was hearing Eric Johnson, that sound he's making, what makes that sound, as opposed to going, what notes is he playing? It's, that's only a small part of the picture so for me i've always been very attracted to that sound um that that's kind of the and the and that sort of overall thing uh, i don't think i've been particularly good at it and think i i think um well particularly back in the early days like uh, yeah I, I should have learned a lot more about songs um that i was <laughs> playing for sure I was a terrible covers band guitar player i'm a little bit better now but and trying to learn other people's stuff for me has always been really difficult to do. Like I've really not been very good at it at all. And it's, um, I don't know why that is. I, I um, What I've been better at is getting out these sounds I can hear in my head. That's, that's kind of the thing I feel like I've been better at, you know, um, for me, my personal journey with guitar. So that's always been the thing, though. That's always been the driver is just chasing sounds as opposed to like yeah. techniques or if I was trying to do something, i people go, what do you practise? What should I practise? What do you practise? Well, I, I just play, and if I come across a sound or if I'm chasing a sound, that usually dictates what I'll actually practise as opposed to going, well, I'm gonna sit down and do, you know, like, uh, it's it's a bit like, you know, doing push-ups for your guitar and stuff, which again, it's healthy, it's a good thing to do as long as, it, you know, you understand it's not music, it's a means to an end. Uh, for me, I love, I love, Everything has to work back from that endpoint of I, I want to make what I think is a beautiful piece of music with with my guitar as my voice. That's that's my you know real mo, you know. More and more as time goes on, I think just as you know that's the, the thing I want to try and achieve for myself. Yeah.
0: Well, well having heard uh, having heard some of your albums, mate, I think you're I think you're well on the way. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Your mate. album Big Sky, Big Sky.
1: Yeah, Big Sky. Yeah, that's a long time that, ago. Yeah.
0: Man, that was uh, when I – because, I, as I said, I used to live in the bush. like And yeah. I moved to Brisbane. I moved to Brisbane in the early 90s. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, someone gave someone gave me a copy of that and said, have a listen to this guy. He's a local guy. And I heard it and I was like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And it blew me away. That was an amazing album, man.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. And Very that was a thing just that – Just all about those sounds. I was I, just chasing those sounds and that uh, – but you know, it, I don't want to sound like I'm some sort of cuckoo's out, out at the airport looking at the sky all the time. Like I, I, I love the visceral <laughs> aspect of stuff too. You know, I love, I love big grooves. I love that 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 that, that like I say, viscerality of rock. I love, I love that yeah. drama of rock. I love all of that too. So, you know.
0: Well, let's let's get back to the sort of the early thing for a minute. So, yeah, yeah. working towards that sort of that first was that your first album big sky
1: yeah big sky was my first album i released that in 94 and i had been to git in 89 90 in hollywood and um that had just become musicians institute at that time and um so i'd come back to australia and i got into um, a, a covers band that was, called, that was th- peter jackson's 30 years of oz rock Peter Jackson's ass in the cigarettes, and because I was a smoke, smoker at that time. So we'd get, part of our rider was like, we, it was a great band to, like I kind of walked straight into this band where we had a road crew. You'd get paid well every night, two wow. or three times a week, a, a full rider and as many cigarettes as you could smoke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> like, That's just not going to happen a- now, right? <laughs> That's amazing, oh, yeah, that's, that? <laughs> that's amazing and terrible at the same time.
1: What's that? That's amazing and terrible at the same time. It is so terrible. Um, so anyway, I learned a lot, and I was a terrible guitar player in that band. But anyway, somehow I got in that band, I think. Um, and uh, I, again, huge learning experience. Then I began teaching and, of course, had odd jobs in between that while I was setting up teaching and starting to build my clientele and um, and probably Getting improving at teacher, at becoming a better teacher. Um, so, um, yeah, and so then I uh, was in a band called Brasilia with Martin Lee, and um, he great went on. Band. Uh, yeah, Brasilia was a good band. Uh, well, Martin went on to do So they had some, He had some great success in that band. Um, he was in that band for a Dave few. Dave
0: Atkins but, on drums was it? Dave Atkins. No, it? that was
1: Pangaea. So Dave played on ah. Big Sky though. So Dave played in on Big Sky. Um, and That's he was on my last is. record as well, was so it was so awesome. Like he's one of my favourite drummers. Man, he's just amazing. He's an institution.
0: Stuff. Woo!
1: Big grooves. Goodness me. Yeah. Ram rock. And
0: Pangea Tangiā was basically um, was Jimmy Sinclair as well on the guitar. Yeah, wasn't yeah.
1: It? Jimmy on guitars and um, and Benny Lyon bass. They're, they were fabulous. Great sound. Yeah. I saw them
0: at the big day out in like 90, the second big day out, I think it was. Mm. And I I came down from the bush to just go to this festival and I saw Pangaea and I like, it yeah. just peeled my head back. It was yeah. just, when they played um, Colossus, Colossus, yeah. it was, and Jimmy's guitar playing. I was like, who the hell is this guy? Like, yeah. it was no. just ridiculous, Fantastic. man. Yeah, it
1: was really great. They had such a great sound. Uh, so powerful, oh. Uh, really great musicians and great really interesting songwriting you I know mean, there was still the elements of all sorts of stuff in there But they had their own thing starting to forge forward with that uh, So but after Brasilia stopped then um, I, I just I, my, my, my dream when I was like 15 that I wanted to make my own records that was the thing when I got my first or Second Led Zeppelin album. I thought yeah, this is me. I want to make I want to have a Simon Gardner record That's what I want to do and um so when when uh brazilia broke up i just went i just went bam that's what i'm doing you know fuck this i'm doing this this is what i'm doing and um and so that's what i did so i got dave Atkins on drums i got chris bosley to play bass um and i did all bass and drums in like you know a day and a bit and then spent the next five days with guitars and special effects and all sorts of things so yeah, it's really I still love that record I still hear some tracks and I still hear a very young guitar player and some of the guitar playing on it I I hear and I go man where is that guy that that is that's ferocious, you know And then there's other parts I hear I go, man, you really needed to work A lot harder on your musicality <laughs> And your timing So but it, I think under, underneath it all Is that creativity Which you can't That you have it at those young years That you can't replace that You might hear demos of yourself Writing stuff of When you're much younger and It might be a bit rough or whatever But there's a fire in the creativity there That's It's um, Yeah, it's, it'll never come back I don't think I think there's especially you know, no one plays rock and roll like teenagers, you know. It's one of those sorts of things. It's a distant energy. It's not better or worse, it's just there's something in that creative the sound that's very um very inspired, you know. So it's so a
0: rawness a rawness yeah. derived from too much testosterone, I imagine. Yeah, I
1: think so. And just uh yeah, that Viking thing of being famous and want to take over the world, yeah. So
0: And also yeah. Also, I think a lot of that is a fearlessness where you haven't you haven't failed so much yet, so you're just mm. willing to take bigger risks. Yeah. I think that's there's there's sort of a as you get older, you have more setbacks in your life, and you sort of have a few things not go right, and you sort of even even if you're still creating and making probably superior music in a lot of ways compositionally, mm. you know, sound wise, mm. but. It's that fearlessness of youth. It's like I'm just going to do this, and if you think I don't, well, fuck you, Jack. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. It, it totally is. You know. And I know for and me. What made
0: you? I, what made you? What made you head to um, GIT?
1: Um, you know, you're talking about Guitar Player magazine and those. like I said, that Eric Johnson. I heard Eric Johnson and and Blue Powder by Steve Vai on that guitar Passion player warfare. page, yeah, Passion Warfare. But Blue Powder actually came out in a guitar player sound page as well. And I remember hearing that. I could not listen to that enough. Eric Johnson's Cliffs of Dover. I could not listen to that enough. Um, um, Diver, to that enough. Um, was Mr. Scary or Scarified? Was that on there as well? Maybe Scarified by Paul Gilbert or Racer X? Uh, oh, that Racer X. Tony McHale. was wasn't it? Yeah, Racer X. Um, Tony McAlpine was another one I couldn't get enough of, and that was a tune that he did with Billy Sheen called Birds of Prey. And I used to listen to that. It was so melodic. It was so, oh, yeah, just so brilliant. And it had that, you know, sort of upbeat metal thing going, but really melodic and seemed to float along. So it was that. It was seeing those magazines and seeing an ad in there and being totally inspired by Guitar Player magazine and seeing a little ad saying... uh, Oh, actually, I forget what the what the catch cry was, but it was basically be the best you can be or something like that in in LA in Hollywood, you know, Guitar Institute of Technology. And Howard Roberts taught there, and my teacher had told me about Howard Roberts, so I knew who he was, and I'd read those magazines religiously. You know, I knew who all these players was, you know, um, or were, and um, so that's that's the thing. So I worked in the in a athlete's foot in Brisbane for a good couple of years, save up a bit of money, a bit of help from mum and dad caught a plane went over there and started to study so um i just loved it i loved it yeah
0: and how was the whole experience did you do you do you feel that it was worthwhile for your sort of like your your journey or was it just something that
1: absolutely it was um yeah yeah, absolutely unequivocally it was uh i learned yeah again probably more there were so many guitar players there, like I think in orientation week there were a thousand guitar players in that auditorium, right? A thousand guitar players. And the, guys, the guy taking, I forget his name, is one of the head guys there. He's like, okay, like by the time the first semester finishes, you know, there'll only be 500 guitar players here or something like that. And sure enough, he said, because, you know, a lot of people come here for the wrong reason, because we're in Hollywood, they want to be famous... So make no mistake, when you come here, you can learn about music and about your instrument. And um, I, I was just loved. I, loved. I was just sitting there. Oh my God, this this is like heaven. And anyway, it was just massive days of playing guitar, hanging out, uh, partying. You know, living a block. You know, living in the building next door to Hollywood Church with a bunch of other crazy people from all over the world. It was just incredible. It was fantastic. So I had a really wonderful time there and uh, I learned so much about music and about um, uh, ear training and, and theory and all of that and vi- creative visualisation. I had a fantastic private instructor uh, there that you could see, like private counsellor you'd see once a week. So um, there, there were, you know, I I don't really know any licks or anything like that from then, if you know what I mean, but I, I remember concepts and... and um, yeah. That's the stuff I really love. That's the stuff I find really engaging. Even now, um, it's either going to be how to get, that, how how much expression can I get out of this note or out of this phrase, and also the concept musically of what I'm trying to achieve, or what I can hear when I'm listening to someone else's, uh, you know, someone brings me a song and I listen to work on, and we start talking a bit more broadly about what we're trying to actually achieve with, with that or what they're trying to achieve and that ends up you know sort of shaping and creating a much stronger prosody and you know just all of these things start to take place i think when you get out of this but you know this is a g and let's borrow this chord because that's you know the four minor sort of thing yeah we don't have to do that you don't have to even though it sounds great you don't have to do that so let's yeah. think a bit, what, what would we what are we trying to achieve here you know it's that begin with the end in mind sort of thing What's the great, of them,
0: you know? so That's such a great foundation like that yeah. was it was that um, was it around the time that Gus Ed was over there as well or was he there a he bit was, earlier
1: uh, might have been a bit earlier he was over he started hanging out with TJ Helmerich I
0: think that album yeah. the bootleg of when they're playing like the Kookaburra and that sort of stuff that just, That's um, just it's ridiculous he,
1: he is um He's not an iconic Australian guitar player, Brett Garcia he, oh. he he's world world class and he is, um he's played with the biggest actor Australia's ever had. Um, Johnny Farnham. Johnny. And he's Johnny's first call, has been I think for as long as Johnny's been around. <laughs> as, long as, Johnny, yeah. as long as Brett's been around, he's been the Rambo's been the first call. First time I saw him was in guitar player magazine Spotlight. You remember the spotlight column? Yep. And I got really inspired, and I thought I'm going to be in that column one day. I don't care. And so um, years and years went past, and I remember getting off a, a getting, you know, falling out of a tour bus on the way back from Cairns uh, to some short <laughs> cover band tour. And there's this magazine in my letterbox, and it's a guitar playing magazine. And I'm thinking this is really odd, and I've opened up, you know, really feeling really down. You Know this is a, surely there must be more to life than just playing shit music to dickheads, um, and <laughs> being in a bus for 25 hours, you know, um, yeah. and and making no absolutely no money out of it, you know, and sort of getting home, living with mum and dad, open up this, there's a guitar playing magazine there. So, what's what's this doing here? And there I was, I was in the guitar playing magazine. It was unbelievable, no way. it was one of the greatest achievements of my uh guitar, just that. Bit. Being recognised by Mike Varney was like a fantastic achievement. So there were only wow. been,
0: you
1: know, and another guy who was in, in there as well. Do you know Jamie Clark in Brisbane? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Jamie and I had the same teacher, Rick Purdy, and Jamie also got into Guitar Play Magazine Spotlight, I think maybe a year or two after I did. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a, it, quite an awesome thing. And Jamie, to me, is he's, you know, he's a guy I hold in very, very high regard, you know. Um, so he's sounds ridiculous. Yeah, you're a wonderful player, wonderful. You know, uh, yeah, just a wonderful, amp, you know, amp that's, champion. That's
0: like an Everest. Ah. That's an Everest moment, man.
1: Yeah, it was really great. It was really great. Um, yeah, funny thing is, I, I cut well, my mum cut out the clippings and put it in a scrapbook, so I still got the scrapbook. And um, but at the Melbourne Guitar Show a couple of years ago, there was a stand, a music stand there that had all of these old guitar play magazines there. And I thought, I wonder if they've got that one I had well, I was Metallica it had Kirk Hammett and James Hetfield on the cover. And they had it. And then I said,
0: Wow,
1: the band. And I opened it up and said, That's me. <laughs> That's me in this magazine. <laughs> uh, so that was a real buzz as well. But anyway, so that 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 personally was a great thing. And so I kinda of thought, you know I thought I was all right then, you know, when you get that kudos from something or someone, that made you go, actually, you know, and the thing that's making me, the thing that was so good about it, was that the kudos is someone giving it to you for the music you've written, yes. not because of your performance playing some. Uh, you really got me by Van Halen. You know what I mean? It's
0: yep, yep.
1: It's your thing, and someone has put you in a magazine next to people like Ingmar Malmsteen and Paul Gilbert and Brett Garstead, and they and it's like whoa, you know, that's uh. That's pretty massive for me and at a very personal level. Yeah. yeah as an as an so.
0: as a as a guitarist, there's not much higher accolades in that, really, is there?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like a new town, from a young guitar player, absolutely. Yeah.
0: That's that's incredible. So you you did your you did your you did your schooling in the in the states. You came back. You played with Brasilia, and then you yeah. released Big Sky. Um, yeah. Which was a you know for for people in the know was quite a was quite a big guitar player album of the time, yeah um, yeah what what sort of what happened next
1: uh well, pretty much after that, I had a lot of um a lot of expectation I had a lot of people tell me, oh man, this is going to be great, you're on your way, you know, um this is you know we've got record company interest, we had blah 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 yeah, well we i say we, but it was me and a couple of things in hindsight it's really clear now, but I, I basically I waited I waited for stuff to happen, and absolutely nothing happened and so I just went into a really deep hole uh, which took me I didn't realize really until I'd gotten older it took me a long time to get out of and uh, it stopped me really from releasing anything for a while because i I felt really um like, to be really honest, I felt very, very embarrassed. I felt like, you know, the person who'd failed and everyone saw that I'd failed. But, of course, that's ridiculous because just to put out a record now is in itself a success. Yeah. Because and it's an artistic success. So there, are, I understand there's a practicality to it, uh, but also to know that there's nothing better than when someone you don't know from Denmark write you an email and says, listen, i got your record today. I just love it. I have it on every day. Yeah, well, yeah that's fantastic, you know? you know. I just need a million more of those. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that aspect of things, is def- that's definitely right. But I, I felt at the time all this build-up, and then I just kind of fell off the, the edge of the earth personally and became very disillusioned. I was really very isolated, didn't know what to do Um, because I thought, God, you know, I must be really shit at this because um, all of these promises and everything, but everything just stopped, and I just thought, oh, man, what am I going to do? And um, I just did nothing. I started running a lot. I I played a little bit. I still created, but it was pretty dark sort of stuff, I guess. Um, And that, that was it. And then I'd seen a lot of my cohort... At the time, do really well, Powderfinger and um, and Regurgitator and um, and I thought and I, and I was genuinely happy for them because I actually felt because I was part of that I was part of the influence of that as well because you know Martin and I we were up in that TC Byrne building before anyone and I don't care what anyone says that we were the first people there and um, we influenced a lot of people by the way we played and. Um, that was just how, how you know, how it was. And I saw them all go on to really great and well-deserved success. And I just felt kind of like, oh God, I really must be shit at this, you know, because all these people I used to play with are all going on to be really great things. And I'm just doing doing nothing, you know. I, I can't, I can't even, I couldn't even, I, I'm too embarrassed to even ask anyone if they want to play with me because just why would they, you know. So you sort of go through this terrible uh, beat yourself up because you don't you've set yourself all these expectations for your first release It's all looking great and you've worked really hard on it and you've sacrificed for it You've lived off nothing, you know at home for you know boiled eggs for bloody Whatever
0: and then ramen noodles.
1: Yeah, and then you know, and it's not a new story every everyone who releases something uh, And which is why you've got to keep doing it because it's so good for you because it's such a hard thing to do things that are hard to do are usually really good for you to do. So, um, so yes, so that, that I didn't release anything really until early 2000s, I think it was, and that was, I was lucky enough to be invited to a, uh, I played in various bands and stuff since then. I played in a band called Big City for a while, which was a great learning experience, and that was all with some jazz and funk musicians, uh, which was really good, learnt, enormous amount from people like John Babbage and uh, you're yeah, really inspiring musicians to play with Mick Skelton, Ant Dawkins, you know, fantastic, fantastic musicians. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, but yeah, I didn't create anything really until the early 2000s. Um, because I was invited to be part of um, do a performance um, for this hospice, like a uh, this these this hospice called Karuna. and I was playing in a guitar duo at the time with a female classical guitar player. And we had this fantastic musical rapport, and it, it I really love that st- again. Love all types of guitar playing. So I, lo- I love just two guitars, one playing electric, uh, the other one playing um, and j- just charts, Latin bosses, pop. Whatever, just great, beautiful little instrumental music duo. Um, And that sort of spurred me on to do a release for this opening that these people had, and um, that album was called Sketches. And, you know, when people didn't throw things at me, I thought, actually, this is all right. (laughs) I'm okay, it's actually my name on the record and no one's trying to stab me in the neck with a pen or something like that, you know. So it's just the craziness that happens. And then after that, I released The Dragon, which I was really happy to do that, but that, again, was like pulling teeth. And then I sort of, um, I think it was maybe four years after that. So it's usually coming around every sort of three or four years. So I'm I'm working on something now. Uh, I think you just got to keep doing it. you got to keep doing it for your own your own so you can look yourself in the eye and say look you know you what are you you know what do you do well if you're a guitar player and you you call yourself an artist then you've got to release stuff you've got to share it with people um that's what i think anyway you've got to walk the walk (laughs) you can't just talk the talk so it's funny yeah i think i would
0: i would i would venture to say that releasing music in the 90s was a bit more of a challenge than it is now yeah i know that now you can sort of sit at home on your computer, make a beat. You don't. It's the facility and the ease is is just orders of magnitude larger than if you were. The, I think the the bravery in releasing an instrumental album in the '90s in Brisbane is something that can't be understated. Yeah. If if you're if you're self funding, you're putting it out, you're distributing it. It's it's something that is quite courageous and then for you to to have to sort of it it always blows my mind with musicians and artistic people the fact that you could take such a really great achievement and then have it become such a negative yeah. so quickly in your life is just you know
1: it's it, a fascinating it thing me. it's a, it's that it's your expectations and uh, you know i read about this and hear people talk about this sort of thing a lot um, this expectation of putting out, you know, your first record and, your, um, and like I say, all these things that were – people tell you these things. And you, you as you get older, you just become a bit more, yeah, whatever, you know. It's like when someone says you're great, you just go, oh, thanks. When someone says you suck, you just – it's like you could play a recording of saying, oh, thanks, you know, it's, Yep kind of doesn't mean anything. So what really is important to you is you, what you listen back to and you go, fuck, that's good, man, I, I love that. And I still have moments on that record where I listen to that and I go, that first record and I go, oh, I, lo- I love that. That 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 is, I don't care what anyone says or anyone does, that is there. And that said what it needed, what I was trying to say. Even now, after all these years I listen to that and go, that, that kind of just sounds like me to me, you know. Yep, so I've, I've tried so many different guitars and different amps and different things to not sound like me. It's fucking always gonna sound like. <laughs> <me>. It always sounds <laughs> the same. It's like Jesus, man. I but, that's, the, but that's like, that's great. That's I mean, a, but if you're not happy with yourself that day, it's not great. So if yeah. you're if you're if you're feeling good and you want to attack and you want to, you know, I think the thing is, you know, you know, what's so what I find really compelling is that. For something that we the we're so so spiritually and emotionally inter- connected with, I mean that's the fabric of what we do. In part of the fabric, that sometimes to make really good music, you've got to be quite detached from that. You've got to be very process orientated, and you've got to be very craft orientated uh, to set almost set the framework so you can actually put all of that magic into it. You know, it's a really absolutely interesting process. The whole thing, and it's
0: never the same. You know. So. Well, I think also, I think also, like we talked a bit, little bit off mic about like um, the the cultural context of a place like um, mm. Australia, and specifically a place like Queensland, because mm. at the time, in the if you're talking like early to mid '90s, um, there were some bands coming up, but Brisbane really wasn't a music centre. Like, nah. most of the bands coming out of Australia were coming out of Melbourne and um, Sydney. Um, so, you had a few bands coming up from Brisbane, but, like, the last ones had been, like, the Go-Betweens, really.
1: Yeah, yeah. But
0: the last really big band to come out of Brisbane was the Go-Betweens, and they were sort of yeah. a an 80s band. Yeah. So, you the, know the, the, cultural, the cultural context is not so much there. And, like, bands like, you know, Brasilia, Pangea, mm. the Regurgitator, um, you know, they sort of carved a new way and and powder finger as well yeah. carved a new way in brisbane and i remember being in brisbane in the early 2000s and i read a an article saying that brisbane is one of the hot spots of music in no. the world and i yeah. sort of thought back to the mid to early 90s and go what like how did yeah. and now I, I think personally it's changed again like that's it's I think it's, it's got a lot to do with the cultural context of the city. If you had have been living of course,
1: yeah. in
0: mm. LA or New York or, or Nashville mm. and knew how to release that album, the frameworks might have been different and you might have had mm. a different experience, which to me is mental because if you create something beautiful, it doesn't matter where it is, you should be able to say, this is beautiful. And then people mm. should say to you, you're right, that is beautiful. Let us give you money so you can make more beauty. Whereas... <coughs> The context is so key. Like those the the examples of the world class violinist being in the subway and no one pays attention to them, Mm. but if they're on a concert stage, like they're held up as like these icons. It it just blows my mind. And have you struggled so so long with that sort of that real mental gut punch of having Mm. that not being accepted for what it is? Because you know, to me, it's a great album, and I also bought the Dragon as well. Yeah, Um, yeah. and I saw I. Yeah. I came to see you at um at a at a clinic that you did with James Sherlock.
1: Oh, okay, yeah.
0: And oh was... God
1: man didn't he hang me out to dry? Holy smokes. He was Bro. <laughs> man Bro, he, like... he was so. I felt, I felt, I was incredibly uh, embarrassed to play this to him. He is such a beautiful guitar player. Like, he, so expressive. That was the thing. And he gave me a great compliment afterwards. He said, you know, because we're so different. But his level of mastery was undeniable, you know, and and I was quite intimidated by that, and very foolishly so. I should have just been focusing on what I needed to do. And, um, but I couldn't help it. I was like, oh, God, you know, how, Really? Come on. Anyway, he said to me, after I played, and it was a couple of tracks off the album at that time, which I think was, uh, it might have been The Dragon and also um, some stuff off, I got an album I got Magoo to produce for me in 2012, which was a really cool album, um, five-track, six-track album. Anyway, he said, what I love about, he said, oh, I really enjoyed what you did. I love the way that you get your expression out of your single notes. And um, which I thought was really like, you know, that's great because he's not going to say that to me because he would have needed to listen, actually listen to what I was doing and, and, and sort of go, oh, yeah, well, actually following what's happening here rather than just being obliterated by, you know, noise and distortion. So, yep. you know, that, that was a great a great uh, compliment to have, but yeah, he was, um, he was, uh, I admire him incredibly. His playing. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, just, just
0: as a bit of, just a bit of background for people listening. That was, he's, um, he's James Sherlock. He's an Australian guitar player. Um, but most guitarists call him James Shredlock just because <laughs> he's just incredible. He grew up, he he's started as a classical guitarist mm. and then moved into jazz and, I remember that night as well. Uh, mm. I, I, you know, I bought your album that night, like from yeah. from that show. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, you know, I've all, I've always been a fan of yours, but Thank when you, I saw man. him play, I was just like, "Holy fucking hell! Who is this guy?" Like, yeah. I'd never heard of him, never heard yeah. of him, and he's such a such a strange amalgam of the classical and the jazz influence. Mm, mm. And anybody anybody listening should immediately go out and first of all, buy all of Simon's stuff, but then also <laughs> check out Mr. Sherlock's stuff because it's ridiculous. And he, he does some stuff with a, mutual, with a friend of mine, um, Kristen Barati.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: That stuff, those two together, it's just it, like you can't, you can't not weep. It's just yeah. so beautiful.
1: Oh yeah he's uh, his grace he's incredibly graceful technically He's a beautiful guitar player yeah i just see so much beauty in his playing and that you you know you can't it's one of those things you can't really um, you can't really capture you, you, it's just how it is it's just yep. a beautiful thing to behold and you just enjoy it you know magnificent yeah it magnificent. reminds
0: me of um there's a there's a group there a, a duo called Tuck and Patty
1: yeah yeah
0: and Andreas Tuck, he, yeah. remind, he reminds me a little bit of just that, the kind of it Tuck spills Andrews. out effort. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just spills out effortlessly. It there's no effort involved, or it seems yeah. like there's no effort involved, and it's just like this effortless flow of endless musicality.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, yeah oh, it, it, it's great. It. Yeah, yeah.
0: It blew, it blew my yeah. mind. But but yeah. I bought I bought your I bought your album, not his, mate.
1: Well, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so. <laughs> We sort of we've been chatting for a while now. So yeah. after you, uh, you you started to release albums again, and then you yeah. you were always teaching, or you moved into teaching.
1: No, no, I've, I've been teaching um, studio teaching um, in various ways for goodness me a long time um, since uh, 1986, I reckon. 1987, wow. yeah, long time. Oh, I look, obviously there's a practical element to it, um, but. I just love it man i really do and the older i get i think um i think i'm getting better at it and i think it, it's uh it is something that has taken a long time to develop and uh i yeah i just genuinely love it I, I, it keeps me close to the guitar if i can help people enjoy and appreciate guitar i think it, that's a good thing i mean really is it's simple and it's not going to change the world per se but I don't care. I just love it. I think it's a very positive thing to do. Yeah,
0: a Beautiful yeah, thing. Guitar, yeah, guitar teaching is a, a – well, any instrumental teaching is, I think, is uniquely challenging in the fact that you have, as we talked about earlier, you have a lot of students that are there just to mark time. Yeah. But uh, I taught – well, I, I don't teach anymore really, but I taught for a long time. And I, if you can light the fire under somebody, like that is – yeah. That is a unique experience and a relationship you're going to have with that person for the rest of their life. Because I've, yeah. I've got some students dead rock, that I've yeah. taught over the years and they've gone on to be professional musicians. And you look at yeah. them and you go, you know, they probably, they probably would have come to this on their own. But if you can help them in any way, sort of encourage yeah. them, even just lift them up a little bit and say, no, no, you've got talent for this. You can do this. It, sometimes, if it's coming from someone that's not their family, not their friends, it adds validation to someone that might otherwise not do it.
1: It it teaches you a lot about your instrument and about yourself and how to deal with people and, uh, you know, not putting your expectations on them and to find out why they're there. And, you know, I enjoy that aspect of it, you know, because I'm a fairly solitary sort of person. So, um, uh, so. Teaching for me is a, a very enjoyable thing from that point of view because um, I, I'm with people a lot, but in kind a different dynamic. So yeah, it's very interesting and enjoyable. Yeah,
0: I found it uh, the first time I made a child cry <laughs> was, when I, was when I really had to have a good hard look in the mirror because yeah. I had this particular child yeah. and uh, this is when I first started teaching many, many years ago. I had the child that would come in every week and just wouldn't practice. And, uh, so instead of, um, instead of saying to that particular child, well, you know, we can do this and different approaches. I just said, why are you wasting my time? (laughs) I said, uh, I'm, I'm, I work really hard at this and, you know, I, I, I would like to think that I'm good at this. And you come in here every week and you sit there and then you go home and you don't practice. Um, what's wrong with you? And I think the kid must have been like 10 Oh, um, no. And then I just went Oh man I've really got to take a good hard look in the mirror And actually realise that other people Have different like priorities It was a wake up call for me
1: that's, That was the big one It's that expectations And you know, uh, you know Nine out of ten people Don't want to be professional musicians You know And, and that's fine with me That's good um, not every, not, Nine out of ten people Aren't cut out for it either so, that's right you know, uh music's there for everyone and it doesn't you know you don't have to be gifted at it to enjoy it and to get some level and some sort of enjoyment and the other thing too is that you know no one really has a crystal ball um i've had like clients and students over the years who i've thought you know we're very limited on the dexterity side of things but they stick with it they stick with it and they get breakthroughs and then they just look they're like a dog with a bone they just will not stop and they can play. They yep. do great things. So oh, I really admire people like that. I just think that's fantastic. So, yeah, you know, it's a beautiful thing to do. Yeah, a way to make a living.
0: I think, uh, I think teaching is a bit like parenting, it teaches you as much about yourself as you teach the other person. That's yeah, one must of the two things I've learned with teaching and parenting. You learn as much about yourself as you do about imparting any knowledge.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. All right, so we've we've sort of discussed um your uh long and varied career and yeah. all the highlights and and all the wonderful things. We might just turn to the serious stuff to sort of round stuff out. Sure. Um, we had we had a little bit of a technical issue there just before, so we're sort of we're restarting the conversation again. Yeah. Um so since the covid outbreak, you're as you said, you're based in Australia. Yeah. Um can you talk us through a little bit how it's affected you and and sort of what sort of what sort of steps you've taken in the last sort of three months?
1: Okay, so for me, um, uh, mainly, um, so all of my gig work, of course, stopped um, like everyone else's, um, and uh, everything was turned on its head straight away. Um, there are a few, a few. It's been a very strange time uh, for everyone. I know, um, and when I say everyone, I'm not talking just a little group of. It's, yeah, I was totally excited about this. It's like, you know, it was a student at JMC, and it was like, um, uh, you understand that when we say, you know, there's no gigs on for anyone now, um, I mean around the world. Yeah. It's basically stopped. Yeah. So this is really, uh, this is so much bigger than you worrying about not being able to play gigs. This is, which I appreciate. We all do, being musicians. Uh, I don't know. It, it's been really strange. So, so basically, my workflow has been uh, very, very good um, because I've gone all online now. So, um, which what that means in a nutshell is I prefer one-on-one teaching, of course, um, and in personal teaching is great, um, but. What online, online teaching has showed me is it's not the only way that you'll get really good results. In fact, the whole paradigm shifts when you go to online. And um, uh, I've got some wonderful results with students online uh, because of the dynamic of teaching online. You can't be there playing with them or propping them up um, um, or support, being that support for them. They've got to do it on their own for you. And that... Uh, allows a really nice open questions like so how did you feel about how you played that you know so that that reflection which you don't you don't get a lot of that in or you don't i tend not to do that a lot in lessons and yet now there's a the 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 conversation is a bit more about um okay so what were your actual thoughts on what you just performed there and you know and they get that and getting them to have that insight into their own playing is a really huge shift in their improvement so some of the results have been fantastic other results wow. have not been so good because um people just don't cop it they just don't want to have this uh, i don't like this i don't like i can't hear you properly this computer's giving me the shits blah 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 and i understand that that's fair enough and it's frustrating so um the silver lining for me um has been that i've been at home um which uh and i know i reckon you'd totally know what i'm talking about um being a working musician and working away from home a lot, and with a young family, oh man! Being at home is like I just don't want to leave.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Anything I want yeah. to do when I leave home is either go for a run or go ride my bike. I mean, i would yep. you know <laughs> it's difficult to get me out of home. Yeah, so because I love it here so much because I've spent the last two years basically in a nutshell, we I, you know we're living in Brisbane in the same suburb that my wife and I grew up in as kids. Obviously we didn't know each other then, but you know, we'd spent our whole life in this suburb and we decided we wanted to make a really big change. So we, we bought some acreage up here near Noosa uh, in Karoi in, in um, Sunshine Coast. And it's been a massive, massive change and a massive, everything everything changed for us. And, uh, but really since we made that change so I could keep working, um all my work's been based in brisbane and then on the road like in bands and things like that
0: oh wow
1: for the last three years or close to three years i felt like i haven't had a home and since covid i've because i've been homebound it's literally the first time i have felt like i've had a home with my family it's just been wow that aspect of it has been absolutely wonderful um so that's my sort of silver lining with it is that i've been able to be at home with my family and that's beautiful and to be be here in my i was about to say my studio but it's not a studio it's a shed and um but the <laughs> i can create you know i've got time to create you know i've got time to do things and start getting that that going again and that feels that feels like i'm a real person again a real musician a real artist a real guitar player you know all of those things wrapped into Wrapped into my identity, which I love. Um, so, um, and the downside of it is, uh, which a lot of people, I know, or well, everyone is feeling, and that is that the, you're separated from uh, the things perhaps you sort of took for granted a little bit. I know for me, um, just my friendship groups. And again, I'm not a particularly social guy, but the people I do see fairly irregularly are important to me. So I think that's yeah. something I've really started to understand. Um, and, uh, I miss that, that social sort of networks. Um, so, and that's, that's been, that's been, uh, uh, difficult at times because that, you know, not having, not having those people around you or your regular workflow, um, as you know, creates a bit of a culture shock. So you, the things like, you know, it's like when you first move house, now you, you know all about this dude, that when you move house, when you go to a new country and, you know that coffee shop around the corner you used to like to go to is just not there anymore, or even your yep. coffee cup in the morning is not in the same place it was the last twenty years. Nope. You, you know what I mean? So it's all of those little things that shift, and now that's all that's happened in this ex- existential, extended way all over the world. That it's quite, it's quite strange. It's quite, you know, very, very strange.
0: But you've, you've 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 the consolation is you've moved to one of the most beautiful parts of the world though
1: it's oh yeah like it's it's we love it here it's got it sort of casts a bit of spell on you this place it's it's difficult to uh to explain it's uh yeah i had to go down to the brisbane yesterday on the weekend i went down for a rehearsal with uh one of my well it was actually more of a get together with the rock covers band i play in called revolution where we do all, all the white snake and all that all that zeppelin and all that shit which is van halen like just love that band you know fantastic band and um uh so the bands the band works a bit but it's not a hard it's not we we're not we don't want to work all the time we we want to keep yeah, it yeah. and we pick any song we want to do from tool to metallica it wouldn't matter as long as we're into it we just play it right and uh Excellent. And it's a lot of fun. So we've formed a good bond in that van. So it's like, man, we've got to get together and just play some loud rock and roll. So we did that. It was really good. But just, just being in Brisbane, I was, like, depressed. I just wanted, needed to get back <laughs> here, see my cows, you know. just being back at my home, you know. And, uh, That's so genius, that was, man. No, it's really – it's just that this place has a hold of me. Maybe it's uh, – yeah, I don't know. It's beautiful.
0: So. Well, I mean, I've I've travelled all over the world, and I, I still think you know there's there's a chance that I might move back there at one stage or another to Noosa because yeah. it's it is oh, just. Are you a, lived here,
1: Have
0: you? Yeah, well, I, I've never lived there, but I, we used to go there all the time for oh, holidays, yeah. and I've, yeah. I've 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 taken my in-laws from Holland oh, there, yeah. and yeah, yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a little place for my wife and I, Noosa, and that oh, so the, yeah. the hinterland around there is kind of unique in the world, I think.
1: It's beautiful, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's where we are. We're um, so right, yeah.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, so, as far as um, as far as your sort of your ongoing music, I know. You, are you still playing with Devonian?
1: Uh, no, no, I left Devonian. I sort of felt like um, uh, at the start of this year, before well before everything sort of started to happen, I made some decisions to myself to uh, because I'd spent so much time on the road. I thought I'm not gonna. I just really value my time and how I'm going to spend it and uh, my creative energies. And I, I really am just yearning to do my music, just the music for me, you know, in my instrumentals, whatever, and be part of, or be part of a really good quality creative process. Um, the metal the metal stuff um, with Devonium was really enjoyable, really nice bunch of people, ha- really enjoyed it. I don't have really anything negative to say, except probably, um, you know, I was doing that shit funny 30 years ago. Yeah,
0: right. Metropolis <laughs> yeah.
1: and with my seventh string yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know, it was just a bit of a head fuck after a while going, man, I've been here and these people are all that much younger than me and a lot of this music's really bad and these people are regular musicians. And hold on, you know, I just kind of, I kind of thought, I don't know I just I'd, I'd lost the flair for it and lost the spark to do it we did an EP which I'm really glad I helped them get done and um, and made some good input into that and so that was great and I thought this is a good time now that there's a bit of a lull I thought it's a good time to, to allow them but the great news is is that the guitarist they've got is a guitar a student of mine from JMC who's someone oh, I hear nice my, he liked the band. He said, "I'm oh, I a lovely band." Blah, blah blah. And I said, "So when I when I was thinking about going, oh, well, actually, when I when I look 'Look, I've left the band, but I'd really like you to audition for it because I think you'd really fit. It'd be a great be a great metal guitar player, you and great looking guy, uh, just just young guy, ready to rock and roll, ready to strap it on, you know.'" And um, um so yeah they chose him which is fantastic so he and Jamal That's awesome. Mate. yeah so so the whole thing's very positive so there's certainly no ill feeling it was just the time had run it sort of run its course for me yeah so
0: and so with the with the lockdowns I, I cuz I know that um, the lockdowns are easing over here yeah but we haven't we're having our pubs and clubs open this weekend actually yeah. on Saturday yeah. um y- how 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 was that going over there for you personally? Like, as far as a lockdown thing, is life starting to get a little bit more back to normal in Australia? Yeah, or?
1: Yeah, oh, definitely. Quite in Queensland, um, I did this uh, bike ride like a couple of Saturdays ago from Brisbane up to Noosa. So it was about two hundred k's, and we when we were riding through um, through Maloolabar, we had a stop in to have a coffee and. Um, Man, the, the people there were just so many people from Mullebar, basically all the way up to uh, Bly Bly. and it was wow. a group of about six of us. And um, yeah, it, it was yeah, it was full on. It, I just couldn't believe how many people around. So long, long, short answer is yeah, there. There is uh, that. It's kind of feels like it's back to normal, but I feel a bit uneasy about that because I, there are new cases starting to pop up uh, in Victoria and that and. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I, I think uh, I, I'd be a bit more. I'd be erring on the side of caution rather than. Uh, I know there's a big economic aspect to it. I understand that, um, but, uh, but gosh, uh, if there's another resurgence of it, I mean, I don't. I don't think things can get back to normal until there's a vaccine. To be honest, um, yeah, I, I agree. You, you know, so I think. Um, but geez. Uh, yeah, Up here, it's um, it's definitely life's pretty a fair few gears slower than it is in Brisbane, but it definitely feel a bit of energy coming back, you know. Um, so
0: yeah, I mean, we, I, how, no, how do you feel over all the um, how do you feel over all the Aussie government has handled it? Do you think it's a positive or?
1: Uh, to be honest, I, geez, that's a job I certainly wouldn't have wanted. Um, I, I I think um, I actually think that he's they've been fantastic. Um, I, I think we've been very lucky in a lot of ways because of where we are, um, that we're quite isolated from the rest of the world. I also think New Zealand have done a superb job. Um, so, yeah, I think I generally would say it's very good. I know, you know, that, like I say, it'd be the worst job. It'd be the job you <laughs> give your worst enemy would be Prime Minister. And yep. he has come into bushfires Storms, you know, like extraordinary weather events, um, floods, and now and now a worldwide pandemic. Like seriously, like how much harder can it be for that guy as the primary of oh, you know, goodness me. So,
0: alien. It's next one's aliens, mate, coming down. <laughs> 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 that's, that's, the, it. that's the only thing.
1: That's it. That's it. That's gonna be the only thing, or you know. Or some sort of giant shark killing everyone,
0: um, Megadon, yeah,
1: mega, but it's, it's crazy, man. But the, the, so I, I personally think, yeah, that they've done a very good job. Um, and I, I, I would sort of tend to be a little bit more conservative, um, as far as borders opening and all that sort of stuff. I think Queensland's actually got, got it in a bit of a sweet spot that we've had, we have next to no cases, I think, maybe. Yeah. I can understand. So therefore, it would make sense that you would close those borders, keep them closed, and try and get Queensland's life back to normal. Would make a lot of sense. Um, yep. You, you know what I mean? So to start getting our economy up and running again uh, would make a lot of sense. So, uh, but gee whiz, you know, what a what a tough one. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, you could you could be Boris Johnson in, over here and just. Just completely bottle it for everyone. It's yeah. it's it's the, it's the high, we've got the highest death rate in the world in in the UK. Yeah,
1: well, I'm, per, that's per capita. To hear that um, that stuff's opening up, you know.
0: Well, I personally, I mean, I'm a musician, so I'm I'm basically still. I mean, I've done a gig here, done a gig there. I've done some online teaching. Yeah. But I'm basically unemployed. I've been unemployed since the start of March, and I still think it's too early because yeah. you know I. I check, the, I check the death tally every day mm. and there's still an average of between 100 and 150 people dying per day in the UK. Gosh. So to me, that's still too many and it's predicted that we're going to lose up to 48,000 by October. God, it's extraordinary. Yeah. I spoke to a friend of mine um, who's actually on the podcast as well in Nashville and uh, she's a singer in Nashville and uh, a lot of the places over there just didn't shut down. Like, yeah. they just kept going. Yeah. And they just, they soaked up the fines, and they're on track to have over 200,000 dead by October. Yeah. Now the so, Americans. they're going to they're gonna over, overtake the UK fairly shortly for the highest death rate, which is, it's bad, man. So, mm. I, you know, I'm, I'm a bit like yourself. I would really, really like to get back to work, but I also have really, really enjoyed the time with my family. Yeah, I bet. And I've also, I'm a little bit cautious, because yeah. I don't really want to die. No. <laughs> uh, there's, there's call too- me old-fashioned <laughs> yeah you know i got i got more notes to play bro
1: yeah that's it yeah totally <laughs> totally man.
0: well we might uh we might wrap it up there mate um yeah. it's been lovely to chat to you super um, yeah
1: thank you for having me and
0: hope mm-hmm. and hopefully we can uh look forward to some new music from mr gardner
1: yeah yeah well, i'll have a release soon so i'll send you some send you some stuff man and i'll very, look very excited so please send yeah it.
0: well It'll it'll be out between now and the end of time. So when it's uh, when it happens, I'll I'll definitely send you some stuff.
1: <laughs> uh, awesome, mate! I look forward to hearing it. i sure it's going to be ripping? Yeah.
0: And where can people uh, find more of your stuff online? Yep,
1: any digital, uh, any digital streaming service: Spotify, uh, Apple Music, Amazon. You know, any of them um, will have my full catalog on it. Yeah, and I'm just about to release, the, like I say, a couple more tunes and uh, I'm working on an
0: album at the moment yeah so awesome and how do you spell your last name G-A-R-D-E-N or just G-A-R-D-N-E-R ah Gardner cool yeah. Yeah. just so people can find you because you know if it takes more than one effort people just go ah nice I'm going to go and watch some yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah All right. awesome man well uh, very much look forward to your new music and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon
1: yeah I look forward to yours too Ben thanks so much for having me awesome mate lovely mate
0: Talk soon. Bye. If you've enjoyed the podcast, feel free to head over to the PayPal link attached to the description in the show notes and throw us a couple of pounds. You can also head over to my website, www.beneatonmusic.com and check out all the stuff that I do. I'd love for you to leave a comment or get back to me on Facebook, Instagram or YouTube, all under the name Ben Eaton Music. Have a great one. We'll see you next time.